You know, several years ago, it was a number of years ago, and matter of fact, uh, Travis, I don't remember the exact moment that this happened, but I'm, I'm venturing maybe around 30 years ago. I came to a point in my life where, where I developed an ability to understand. I developed an ability to know not, not just right from wrong, but, but an ability to comprehend this thing that we call sin. An ability to, to understand that there is a God and that that God has a will and, and that when I violate His will, I have sinned against Him. Now, I didn't always have that ability. I see some of our children here this morning, and, and, and they, they may know some right and wrong, or they may know that I get my hand smacked. That kind of hurt. I get my hand smacked if I do this or that, but, but they don't really know that, but there's coming a day when they will. That day came into my life some 30 years ago, and I don't know exactly when it was, but on that day, I sinned for the very first time. And, and, and from that day forward, here's, here's the bad news, Donnie. There have been a lot of sins. There have been a lot of sins in my life. There have been a lot of times when I knew the will of God and I chose to not obey the will of God. I knew what God desired of me and I chose to do what I desired of me and I chose to sin. And, and every one of those sins is a shameful thing. Every one of those sins, I understand, is what, is what put Jesus on the cross. And because of that sin, here's what I understand. That I deserve, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me for the moment. That I deserve to be eternally punished. I deserve spiritual death. Well, the wages of sin is death, the Bible says. To, to understand that I deserve to, I deserve to go to a place that we call hell. Now you, don't, you may not like thinking of your preacher deserving that, but I'm going to tell you that's what your preacher deserves. But God, but God had a plan before the foundation of the world because He knew that Wes Hazel was going to sin. Because he knew that I was going to sin. Because he knew that I was going to rebel. And some 2,000 years ago, his son left heaven, came to earth, put on flesh. He left the place that every one of us say we're living our entire lives trying to get to. He left that place to come and live as a child. To come and live without luxury. To come and live with, without respect. And ultimately... He died on the cross. And on that cross that we remember in the partaking of the Lord's Supper on the first day of every week, we're, we're, we're not just having crackers and juice. On the cross, He shed His blood and He gave His body. And, and I think about, I think about the, the, the terribleness of the crucifixion, but I also understand that there was a lot more than just the crucifixion of a man that was going on. Tens of thousands of people have been crucified in the history of the world on that cross in some way that I struggle to understand. He took the debt that I owed. He died so that I don't have to die. He shed his blood 
so that my sins that condemn me could be forgiven and washed away. And he's not just a man who was making a promise or writing checks that he couldn't cash. Three days after he died, he did what no normal man could do. He arose from the grave. And every moment of my life since I have been immersed into his death, his blood has flowed through my life. And I stand before you this morning, not as somebody who has everything figured out in my life. I stand before you this morning, not as someone who is perfect, because I am not. I stand before you as someone who is forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. And because of that, I can tell you I am a Christian I can tell you that I have a home that is waiting for me in heaven above. Whatever happens today, whatever happens, I have a home that is waiting for me in heaven above because of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is foundational. I hope and I pray that you took the opportunity this week in your family, whatever your family looks like, to talk about what the gospel means in your life. And if you didn't do that, I want to encourage you to do it this week because it needs to happen. We need to get comfortable talking about that because as we talk about being a church that is grounded in the gospel, it is a church that is made up of people that are grounded and comfortable and embrace the very essence of the message that I just shared about myself but that is, the, that is the story of every single child of God. Nothing that I said couldn't be said about any other Christian. But nothing that I said could be said about those who are outside of Christ. There is a world of difference in these two things. This is the gospel. And so my thought for this morning was, what does that church look like? As we learn to evaluate ourselves, and I'm going to tell you, there are some ways in which, in which we say, okay, we're, we got really good health. And there are some ways in which we may think, you know what, we need to, we need to pay a little closer attention over here. What does, that, what does a church look like if it's made up of people who understand about themselves what it is that I just said about myself? Made up of people who understand the nature of the gospel and is grounded in that gospel you know th there are several things we could say and you could probably add to this list these are just some that I thought about uh, that, that I thought about in, in my own personal life but but I think it I think it would start with this a church that is grounded in the gospel is, is a congregation is a group of people where one where one thing that is going to describe them on a great number of levels is this word confession See, it, it's, do you know why we don't talk about what I just talked about? Because sometimes we struggle with this idea of confession. We, we don't like to talk about our sin. We don't like to talk about what we deserve. It makes us uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable. Probably, probably makes us uncomfortable when other people talk about it. But it's true nonetheless. Whether you're here this morning as a teenager or you're here this morning as a 90-year-old, it's true about every one of us. It's what John would say in 1 John chapter 1. You remember, before we get to verse 9, you remember what he says in verse 8? 
He's in this whole context of what it means to walk in the light and how the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins. And and he tells us in verse 8, I think there's a reason he tells us this because we might be tempted to believe it or at least to act like we believe it. He tells us in verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, what are we? We're a liar. I can just tell you there probably been a lot of times I've tried to lie to myself because I don't like to think of my own sin. Now, I don't have all that much trouble looking at other people's sins, but when it comes to my sin, that's a whole other thing. And John says, you're lying to yourself. Every one of us in this room knows what it means to sin. And if we know what it means to sin, it's not enough for for us to say, well, yeah, that's right. The Bible says in verse 9, if we confess our sins, that means i got to talk about these things i got to talk about them to the Lord. i got to talk about them with my brethren. Because if we are willing to confess our sins, then He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so the very first thing that came into my mind about a church that is grounded in the gospel is going to be a congregation that is full of this idea of confession. Now, I'm not talking about confession in the terms of celebrating our sin. I think I have seen, I have experienced congregations where where sometimes people talk about that old man of sin. They talk about the things they have done or the things they have experienced almost in a way to to elevate the sin, right? I've heard people say, well, you know what, I'm grateful for for, for that man that I used to be because I, I learned a lot from that. Listen, when people say that, now you understand why they're saying that, because they did, uh, uh, if they're a Christian, they did, they did learn from those things. But when people saying that, they don't understand the gospel. I'm not grateful for the sin in my life. I'm not grateful for those things that I've done in my life. As a matter of fact, there is a great deal of shame that ought to go along with those things. I hate that sin. Of whatever shape, form, or fashion you want to describe it, I hate it. I wish I could say that it wasn't there. It was that sin that crucified Jesus on the cross. If if I hadn't sinned, if we hadn't sinned, he would have never had to leave heaven and come to earth and die on the cross. So, So when I talk about confession, I'm not talking about this extreme of somehow celebrating it or somehow you're like a better Christian because you've sinned more in your past. I don't think that's a biblical idea at all. But, but yet there is this idea that, that we are willing to confess and confess in a way that talks about how we have turned to God for forgiveness of our sin. The church is to be a place where others who have sin, we have sin, they have sin, right? It's not just they have sin, it's not just we, have, everyone have sin. Romans 3 and verse 23, what's it say? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it's those all, it's all the people who aren't here today that we're trying to reach, that we're trying to convict. For people to know that when they come to this place, they can find the same thing that we found. They can find forgiveness through confession. Can I tell you that many times people are terrified of the church Many times people are terrified of the church. And sometimes, sometimes these accusations are fair and sometimes these accusations are unfair. 
We have to evaluate ourselves to make sure that, that, that we're what God wants us to be. But sometimes people are terrified to, to bring their sin before the church because they are terrified that, that the church will never accept them. The church will never allow them to overcome these things. The church will never understand. We must make sure that's not the case. We must make sure that, that when we interact with people, that we don't interact on this level that, that, that says, well, I would never know anything about that. I mean, I guess we'll take you if we have to take you, but, but I mean, you've done this terrible thing. Listen, listen, if someone comes confessing of sin, I know a lot about confessing of sin. If someone comes understanding their loss, because I know a lot about that. Sometimes people will say, well, I just don't see how anybody could. Yes, you do. You fill in the blank, but yeah, yeah, yes, you do. I mean, people may do things that you wouldn't do, but you do things that they wouldn't do because it's rebellion against God. And that doesn't mean that we're not outraged by sins or struggle with sin. It means that we all come on the same basis. I come as someone, as someone who is bringing my sin that I can't do anything about with great regret and great shame. And if you have those same sins, you can come in the same way that I have come. And I'm going to accept you as someone who has done what I have done. You, you, you ever felt like someone could understand you? You ever felt like someone couldn't understand you? I, I, I don't know if it's a good analogy or not, but it's the one that I always go back to in my mind. I, I, I've struggled with, with weight all my life. Okay? Surprise, surprise. I know. You guys, what? So, but, but I, I've always, I've struggled with this, but do you know who I'm not going to talk to about my weight? Some of you skinny people. I mean, some, some of you guys that you've been like 110 pounds all your life and you eat half a cake every week. And, and I look at you, whether you do or not, I say, you don't know the struggle. You don't... I'm not talking about, I'm not, I'm not talking about right, wrong, you should eat, you should, I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about how I feel about you. Right? Because I don't think you understand. Now, you may understand better, but I, I don't think you do, so I'm not going to open myself to you. Now, th th that may be my issue. Every one of us have, has issues like that, right? You, you have things that you look at other people and you say, they don't understand. Now, I don't know about Weight Watchers and understanding. I don't know about money and understanding. I don't know about all these. But let, let me tell you something. When it comes to sin, I'm telling you that we have to make sure the world knows that we do understand. And one way that we do that is by professing the gospel. And, by, and one way that we, that, that, we, that we continually profess the gospel is by professing our sin and Jesus as the answer to that sin. One of the most powerful things I've experienced since I've been here at Forest Park. None of you got to experience this, but, but I, I got, I, sometimes I will sit in elders' meetings and not just the meetings about the budget and things like that, but like the, the, the we got spiritual problems we're talking about. And I remember I was in an elders' meeting and I was just kind of a fly on the wall. Okay, you guys probably don't even, the elders don't even know what I'm talking about, but I'll, I remember this. And there was someone who was dealing with a, with a really serious spiritual problem. And, and as this was going on, 
As this was going on, each of our elders were going around the room and they started talking about their own sin. And they started talking about their own struggles and where they had been and they had been in the place. That they, it was powerful. And they weren't doing that to celebrate these things. They, they, they weren't doing this to say, well, you know, everybody sins, so sin's no big deal. They were trying to inspire this person with this idea that I know where you've been, but let me show you a better way because I was shown a better way. I'm just telling you that's a part of a church that's grounded in the gospel. A church that's grounded in the gospel is going to be full of confession. My, my, we proposed tonight or this morning that a church that's grounded in the gospel is going to be full of evangelism, a telling of the good news. I, I, love, I love the text in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 because people are questioning Paul's motives. And just like people always do with preachers and people of that nature, they were saying, well, well, you preach the gospel from impure motives. You're, the only reason you're preaching is so that you'll be lifted up. The only reason that you're preaching is so that, that you'll get money from these people. And, and Paul responds to these accusations. And he says, he says in, in chapter 9 and verse 16, he says, if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. I'm not trying to brag about preaching the gospel. Oh, look at me. I'm Wes Hazel, gospel preacher. You, you don't, you're not going to have none of that with Paul. He said, what, what am I going to brag about? For of necessity it is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Can I tell you the reason that I'm doing this? Not because I have to. The reason that I'm doing this is not to elevate myself. The reason I'm doing this is not because I'm going to get something from it. The reason that I'm doing this is there is this burning fire within my bones that Jeremiah talks about that, that, that woe is me if I don't. So, so he says, he goes on to say, and you can read the rest of this chapter, verses 17 through 22. He says, he said, I've just been entrusted as a steward. So that's why sometimes I, I will get my support and sometimes I won't get my support. But, but I just do what I, what I think is best for the Lord. That's why I have become all things to all men that I might save some. Now he says in verse 23, as he kind of brings his, his argument to a conclusion, now this I do for the gospel's sake. An understanding of the gospel is connected to why Paul did what he did. An understanding of the gospel is, is connected to whether or not we actually will share our faith with others. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. All I'm doing is understanding what God has done in my life. How could I not share that with other people? How could I not share that with other people who I know are lost just like I was lost? who I know have never been taught, just like I had never been taught, who I know have no hope in their lives, they don't even know it, just like I didn't have hope and I didn't know it. All I'm doing is sharing what I've done. There are some people who don't like stories of conversion. But I don't understand what people get so upset about because so often all that we're talking about is somebody sharing about how they came to know the Lord and how you can know the Lord also. The, there is that 
that classic line that I don't know who said it, but it was pretty, pretty insightful of one beggar telling another beggar where they could find bread. Friends, we share, we share the gospel because someone has shared it with us. A church that is grounded in the gospel is going to be full of evangelism. It's going to be full of evangelism over all the earth, but it's going to be full of evangelism in our day-to-day life right here in Valdosta. This is to do more than simply acknowledge the gospel, but it is to be grounded in the gospel. A church that is grounded in the gospel is is going to be a place where you're going to see growth and restoration you remember what Paul said there in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 6? Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, for neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. It's kind of like a who's who of what you don't want to be, right? Who, who wants to be in that list? But then listen to what he says. You you know what he says next. And such were some of you. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus. And by the Spirit of our God. See, a church that's grounded in the gospel is going to be full of people who have stories. This is is hard. This This is messy. But, but don't, don't think that I, that I have any pretense about whom I preach to. I know that there are people in this room. I know there are people in this room who know all about sin. Oh, by the way, I'm not just talking about those people. I'm talking about you. I know that we know about sin. But a church that's grounded in the gospel is going to be a church that's full of those stories. Do you know, how, you know what he used to be? Do, do you know what, what she used to be? The, one guy in particular, when I preached in Kentucky, by the way, um, well, anyways, th- th- this guy, when I preached in Kentucky, he obeyed the gospel, and he started coming to church, and I loved it that every time someone would, would see him at a gospel meeting or something, they would say, he goes to church here? And you know what they were asking, right? Because they did not think of, there's a good faithful Christian. They thought of that guy who knew, he, who, knew, who knew about the alcohol and they knew about the drug and they knew about the wildlife. All of it was true. He'd done all of it. But he'd been changed. By what? By the gospel. You're going to see that. By the way, as we preach this morning, I'm sure that that man is also preaching the gospel this morning. That's what you see in a church that's grounded in the gospel. Not this thing, well, well either, either you've got your life straight now or you don't, and, and that'll never change. Now, the bad news is that sometimes people, people who are walking with the Lord abandon the Lord. Another sermon for another time. But the good news is there are many people who have abandoned the Lord that because of the gospel can return at any time. That's the good news. They can return just like you have returned. A church that's grounded in the gospel is one where you're going to see growth. And the type of growth that I'm talking about is spiritual growth. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 
For the love of Christ compels us. Because we judge thus, if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So it's this idea of why do I do what I do? Why, why would anyone respond to the invitation this morning? Why, why, why would any one of you uh, decide you're going to come back for, for, for worship tonight or come to Bible study on Wednesday night or, or change anything about your life and what you want to do and what's convenient for you? Why would you do that? Well, because that's what you're supposed to do. Now, move beyond that because if that's the only thing that's motivating you, at some point that's going to stop motivating you. There was a time when I was, when I was pretty scared of my dad whooping me. I ain't scared of that anymore. Should I still honor Should I still show respect? He says what motivates me is the love of Christ. The love of Christ compels us. The fact that he died for us, that impacts what I want to be, how I want to live my life. He shows me a better way. He shows me a way that's not disrespectful. He shows me a way that's not insulting to his holiness. He shows me a way that he is worthy of. That's why sometimes we talk about the gospel and whatever topic. And all we're trying to say is based on what he's done for us, it ought to bring about the reaction that he's shown us how we should live our life. We should see growth in everyone's life that I want to be molded into his image. When we talk about a church that is grounded in the gospel, see, it goes beyond my story and it has to go to our story that we all share these things in common and that the world sees a group of people not that there's just one guy or three guys or four ladies who get this but there's a group of people there's a gathering of people a church who understand what Jesus Christ has done for them and therefore they belong to him that's the church that belongs to Christ And so what I'm going to invite you to do is to respond to the gospel. You you know, sometimes we talk about somebody obeying the gospel. And and you you know the code. We're talking about someone who has decided that they're going to be born again, that, that, that they're going to be baptized or to be immersed, to have their sins washed away. And we just say, well, well, we had someone that obeyed the gospel. Someone obeyed the gospel last week. What do we mean by that? Well, it's that picture that Paul gives in in the book of Romans, right? In the book of Romans, when when he's combating the idea of of cheap grace and that that sin could have a place in the Christian's life, and and he he says, don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? Well, okay, yes, we, we know that. Therefore, he says, have been buried with him through baptism into death. In order that as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. So we say someone has obeyed the gospel when someone comes to be baptized because in being baptized, one is demonstrating the gospel. Dying to ourself just as Christ died upon the cross. Being buried in that watery grave in the same way that he was buried in that earthly grave and in the same way that he arose from the dead 
He says we arise to walk in newness of life. That is the gospel. And if you have not responded to the gospel, or if you have rejected or neglected or fallen away from the gospel, or simply if you have not rested in the gospel, then the Lord's invitation is for you to answer. You come this morning as we stand and sing and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ.